Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, raw feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. Well, you know what today is? Today is Dr. Judy Jasek Day because, of course, it is hump day. Good morning from Tennessee. Good morning from Tennessee. Yeah. You have some new stuff going on out in Tennessee. Tell our listeners what's happening with you. We got a new puppy. Well, we'll start with the sad and then we can move into the the happy. So my 17 year old dog passed away last week and uh, he, he'd been declining. It, it was, it it was getting closer and closer and, you know, the final, I believe it was his heart. He just was starting to have trouble breathing and, you know, so um, so anyway, he passed away last week and um, I had had plans to get a German Shepherd puppy from a breeder back in Colorado. Well, that dog ended up losing her litter, unfortunately. And I started looking around where we live here in Tennessee locally to see if, you know, anybody had just good homestead dogs. And lo and behold, I found this nice little organic family farm that happened to have German Shepherd puppies. So we got a new German Shepherd puppy. Um, that's so cool two days ago so yeah it's it's uh it's been quite i, I was actually looking for, for looking for a little break after why they passed away um but you know just things happen as they happen as we all know and pets find us sometimes we don't we don't find them but it's quite the contrast going taking care of a 17 year old dog to a Dunweagle puppy oh yeah oh yeah but they're gonna keep you so young oh yeah Right, it's a German. It's a German Shepherd. They're smart, right, Dee Dee? They're like they, they learn stuff really fast, you know. Well, so you haven't killed him on the raw food. I mean, because some people, you know, I worry. It's like you know, they they see him have loose poops on kibble, and that's okay. But uh, put him on raw food. I don't know. Scary stuff. Tell us about your experience mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. Well, um, when we went to go pick him up, these folks, they had all kinds of you know, farm critters, cows and goats and, and chickens and pigs and geese and ducks, everything. Well, their dairy cow just calved. So they had milked three gallons of colostrum and they decided it'd be a good idea to feed it to all the other critters, including the dog. So I got there and the guy was like, I'm really sorry. The puppies just ate a bunch of raw milk. And this puppy, like it was visibly bloated. Like his tummy was like tight bloated walking around waddling you know like great um but he came home and now his dogs they did get meat scraps on the farm because they butcher their animals and everything but it was also getting some kibble um so that might have been part of why he was so bloaty too if he had kibble in his tummy (laughs) just to the raw milk but anyway came did not vomit the car did fine came home and um just liquid diarrhea which i i knew about the milk so i figured it was the milk but i put him on turkey pmr and um today actually by last night so that was sunday it's today's well today's wednesday so it's like two days that anyway two days that everything runs together when you have a new puppy yeah <laughs> anyway two days completely normal poop and he, and he acted fine um 
And yeah, I, I'm not going to feed him anything but raw. And just but but you didn't put him on antibiotics. No antibiotics, <laughs> and he got better anyway. Can you imagine that? I can imagine that. So. You know, I I thought I had the one of the shortest time to feed raw before they decided not. But no, no, no. Oh. Somebody has beat that record. Someone has beat that record, Dr. Jizik. So I had this pet parent come in and they have a Frenchie, a six-year-old Frenchie, hair falling out, you know, had a lot of dander. And, and uh, so he was all on board. He was like, and he was in agreement. Yes, the food that I'm feeding has a an ingredient list, you know, as long as my arm. So we're going to go to the raw. Great. And so it I gave him uh or he he got the the beef PMR. Okay. And then he also I gave him uh, a sample of the duck HVM. Okay. He goes home and he immediately we get an email that says, My dog, you know, scarfed it down and then threw it back up. And I said, Well, was it cold? Yes, it was. Well, warm it up. Okay. Next email is the next morning. The next morning, my dog was was visibly uncomfortable. Uh, he was panting all night. He was visibly uncomfortable. So I'm just going to go a totally different direction. I'm just like, how is it that we, you, I, I said it like this on another podcast. It would, it, it would be like saying, I do so much better, Dr. Jasek, on Frosted Flakes than I yeah. do on the eggs. I just do, right? you know, frosted flakes and pasteurized milk, right? And with a lot of sugar, I do really well on that, but give me real food. Oh, it's a disaster. You know, I, I you mentioned the panting and I, this, I just, this came to mind the difference in mindset. So Max first night here, panted. Oh my God, I'm in crate, but panted, 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 panted. I never thought it was the raw food. I thought <laughs> he's a German shepherd. He was raised outside. He's probably hot. <laughs> like, and he's probably about... just in a new environment too yeah. yeah first night inside in a crate and he's <laughs> and then you know so and i'm like yeah i'm like i've had chihuahuas they they crawl into the covers when it's 80 degrees you know um shepherds like he's hot he doesn't like and i'm like trying to find beds and blankets when he just likes to lay on the floor because it's cool he goes in the bathroom and lays on the cool tile like it's a german shepherd not chihuahua but yeah he panted all night or a lot of it, you know, and I kept changing different things, trying to move him in different positions, try to keep him cool because I want to keep him in his crate. But it never occurred to me that maybe it was that turkey PMR he had for dinner. Never even thought about it. I just, uh, you know, so we said to the pet parent, now, listen, as you move on with your journey, what, where, where, whatever way you're going to go, uh, remember that there is always going to be a transitional period, right? If your dog has toxins, they got to come out. Mm -hmm. If your dog has no digestive enzymes that are turning on, right? And they haven't been eating real bone or they haven't been eating real organs. It's very different than a cooked diet. Mm -hmm. And and I feel for these pets when the pet parents do a knee-jerk reaction, because that means that this dog is probably never going to get what it was designed to eat. Why? Because there is some sort of fear that uh, they're correlating with the raw food. And I would guess that means bacteria. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, but you know, like 
Bact most bacteria are good. We need bacteria. I'm having to keep uh, Max out of the chicken feed. He thinks chicken feed's really delicious. I took some uh, some feed, some chicken feed in a bucket to take out to the chickens, and man, he just put his whole head in it. I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, I did want to ask you about chicken poop because um, my manager, she has three dogs. Okay, mm-hmm. Lucy is her little 40 pound dog who um, loves to eat chicken poop, chicken poop. And she, she has, she has her coop and she tries to keep the dog out of the poop. But this dog ate a bunch of chicken poop and then ended up with bloody diarrhea. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts about that? Um, Chicken poop and bloody diarrhea. I mean, normally um, I say dogs eat poop. That's one of the things dogs do. And typically it's not a problem, as, especially if it's there's enough of a species difference there. Normally wouldn't be. Now, chickens, just in reading what I've read about chicken management, chicken husbandry, they do tend to carry coccidiosis, which is a little microorganism that affects the gut. Um, it's one of the things chickens get vaccinated for not my chickens um, because if you have good husbandry of good hygiene even though it's there in the environment it doesn't tend to cause a problem so you know if the chickens are healthy and everything one of my thoughts was well it could be unrelated to the chicken poop we don't know maybe the dog got something else but maybe there's something in the poop that the dog's just not used to eating and you know, I've been thinking a lot about this interrelationship between, you know, farm animals and dogs and stuff. And they probably just maybe need need a chance to build immunity. They say that chickens, when they're kept out and about and they're allowed this natural exposure to the coccidia, but they're not confined in a dark, dank, you know, production facility. Um, they just build a natural immunity to it and then and then they're fine. And so I wonder if there was just something the dog is thinking about it a little differently, not maybe that the chicken poop made the dog sick, but maybe there was just something in there, the dog system that was foreign to the dog system, some, you know, microorganism or something, and maybe given the chance, the dog will build some immunity to it, or maybe it was, you know, un- unrelated. So it's not about trying to get away from this idea of you know, infectious disease, maybe there was just something in there the dog wasn't used to. Just like if, you know, a puppy goes and eats a bunch of wood chips, you know, <laughs> gonna get gonna get sick. So maybe, you know, it was just something different or something that the dog might be sensitive to and what the chickens are eating. I don't know. She probably feeds the chickens pretty well though too. So th- she has three dogs and only mm-hmm. one of the dogs uh, and all of them tend to go out there and Munch on the chicken poop, you know, because yeah. she moves them around like you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's in the city. She doesn't have like 10 acres like you do. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a, a, a smaller environment. Now, so Lucy, that particular dog started having a bloody chocolate pudding poops. And um, she, you know, she's pretty homey, uh, homeopathy sound, right? She She understands it. Nothing's been able to get those poops back solid again, not fasting, not anything. Um, 
so she doesn't really know. Now she she did tell me yesterday. She said, and I just found out my chickens have lice. Chicken lice too. So I don't know. But what treatment would you suggest if you have a dog for a week, right? So she's making sure that she's not dehydrated. Uh, she's done the fasting. She's given some extra bone. But man, this stuff looks like chocolate pudding. Hmm. If she, I mean, you mentioned like homeopathy, is that, are those just straight homeopathic remedies or has she tried any, any herbal? There's some good herbal remedies that like wormwood and black walnut, and um, you can, you can find there's a, there's a good product, but it's really hard to get um, because they keep running out of it by Asmira. Um, The company is called Asmira and since parasitic, Parasite and Giardia detox or something like that. Oh, it's wow. just some really, it's just some really good herbs. Just a liquid tincture. It's just some really good herbs for eliminating parasites. And I've used that a lot. I actually am treating Max with it because he did, you know, he came off the farm and I don't know, like they don't worm any this place, they don't deworm any of their animals. So I just thought, well, I'm just gonna do a little herbal treatment just in case, you know, maybe I'll check a stool sample. So my other thought would be just get a stool sample checked. You know, if she could take a, a stool sample in somewhere and just have somebody check it just to um, just to see. Because I have heard that coccidia will kind of build up if you don't have as much space that it can build up in the soil. Um, if you, if depending on how quickly you have to go back over the, the same area. Like if you can put the chickens on an area and then you move them. And then the, that area has like a week or more in the sun and everything, it kind of disinfects it. And then if you move them back again, so depending on how often she needs to move them, but I'd probably do like a, like an herbal um, de- dewormer. Um, I have another, I'll send it to you. Tess gave me a, a recipe that um, she had said that it was a little different. It had, um, um, fennel in it. It was fennel and garlic. She sent me the proportions. I can send that to you too. It was like yeah. fennel and garlic and some other, again, anti-parasitic herbs, I think ginger. So I, if the, if the dog's acting okay, I'd probably try something like that. And then maybe to, you know, take in a stool sample and see what they find. So what again. about, what about our friend metronidazole? Because that's what most vets are yeah. going to, what, what are your thoughts on that? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I would not, I would not do, I would not do antibiotics. I mean, um, herbal treatments to kind of kill any microorganisms that might be playing a role. And then also, you know, I mean, I think probiotics are iffy in their benefit just because it just depends on the quality of the product and are there live bacteria in it and everything. But in a case like this, probably giving a good quality, like, you know, the adored beast, you know, good quality probiotic might help um, replenish. Cause if we can build up the natural flora, they have diarrhea, everything in the guts out of balance. So right. we can build up the healthy microbiome that's going to help eliminate those microorganisms too. So it's giving something to take down, maybe some microorganism that's part of the problem, but then also at the same time, building up the gut and developing good gut immunity. And then, you know, let the body take care of itself. I think what happens during these times, as I've sort of watched this as um, she's gone through this, is that um, when you see blood in the poop and when you see a week worth of that, 
um, pet parents tend to panic. They go into panic mode. And then if you talk to a traditional vet, then they're like, well, it's all. And then the pet parents are kind of great because, you know, my dog's uh, pooping blood in the house. Now, the other thing that she said she's noticed is that she's also peeing in the house, which she has not been doing. It's kind of a weird thing. Now, I don't know if it's just because, you know, maybe in that sphincter area and everything else, when you have loose poops, then you tend to have a loose uh, urinary tract as well, or I, I'm, I'm certain I'm not saying that correctly, uh, bladder. Um, mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So yeah, I think the straining, like a lot of times, you know, when dogs have diarrhea, you know, we've all probably experienced this, you get, you get cramping, like your intestines just kind of cramp up and everything's moving really fast. And so everything in the guts just kind of contracting. So I could see just because of that sensation that maybe she'd, you know, push out a little pee, especially if that wasn't an issue before, before this happened. Um, but might not be a bad idea to get a urinalysis check too. just yeah. see, you know, make sure there's not a, a UTI on, you know, on top of this other thing. And as far as the blood in the stool, so if, if the dot, and I agree, I mean, that's, it gets your attention. It's going on a long time. So getting the stool sample check would probably still be a good idea, but then how is the dog acting? Is it still eating and drinking and acting pretty normal? Then I'm not as concerned as if the dog has bloody stool and it's not eating. And especially if it's not drinking, because then they're going to get dehydrated and that, you know, could definitely be a problem. So if they're acting okay, then I'd probably, you know, try some herbal things and, and, you know, ride it out a little bit and, but, and get it, get a, get a stool, get a stool sample checked. Writing it out is not something that many pet parents can do. It's very frightening to them, right? Because they don't know. And so it's like, all right, I think what you're saying is if your dog has fever, not eating, can't hold down water, is lethargic. And look, they're going to be somewhat lethargic because they're pooping constantly, right? And maybe they're not eating as much as, or their their vitamins and minerals aren't getting in their body as much as it needs to be. But um, I think that 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 is where we have this fork in the road. And sometimes we end up going the wrong way, right? Just like our pet parents who say, oh my gosh, this real food, meat, bones, organ, and fat, right? From a real animal made my dog so sick. It's like, well, what do you mean by that? Well, he was uncomfortable. He was lethargic. It was, just, and, you, and, and I, I just, I, I get it. I get it. Most people think, oh, there's a bad batch, right? There's a bad, but you're saying, look, bacteria, how much bacteria would have to be in a bad batch to actually cause something like that, right? If, if they can eat, chicken poop and most dogs can or they mm-hmm. can eat duck poop or goose poop or deer or elk or whatever and they're fine with their own poop it's it just baffles me but this is the problem that we've got that oh my gosh bacteria bacteria it's at the big boogeyman out there lurking and so people do this knee-jerk reaction and go down a path that maybe isn't the healthiest for the dogs so it's yeah. very, it's very tough. It's tough for you. It's tough for me. Uh, it's tough on pet parents when they see this, but that blood in the stool, man, that scares the bejesus, the sphincter out of everybody. I, I, and I get it, you know, and, but I, 
I mean, you know, know, we don't want to see blood, but it's actually, it's pretty common. If you're seeing fresh red blood in the stool, it's coming from the colon, means the colon's inflamed. And the colon, the whole GI tract actually bleeds pretty easily. It doesn't take much inflammation. So, you know, people like sometimes say, oh, my dog's stool has little blood and mucus in it. Um, I don't get too concerned. Like a lot of times those sorts of things will resolve in a day or two. Now, this is obviously been going on longer. If it's a darker red or brown or black, then sometimes there can be bleeding higher up in the digestive tract. But again, the GI tract, it bleeds really easily. It's highly vascular. As soon as it's inflamed, a little bit of bleeding is actually really, really common. Where I get really concerned, and I've seen this in a few cases, where dogs are passing like just volumes of blood, like not mixed with the stool, just like clots of blood. I've seen these cases where they have a, that's a severe hemorrhagic gastroenteritis where they're bleeding like profusely from the gut. It's not just coming out with the poop. That's really serious. But aside from that, if the dog's acting okay, then I think, yeah, you don't want to ignore it. We want to be paying attention, but I don't think um, that you have to panic and default to the, to the pharmaceuticals as which are just a Band-Aid, even if they work. And and I think too, when you do that, like for whatever reason, a lot of dogs get put on metronidazole and they get better, probably because it takes down some microorganisms, some um, bacteria in there that maybe are part um, are part of the issue. But it, it also, it prevents you, that just becomes a crutch. You're not getting to the root cause. So what what's the root cause here? Is it something the dog was exposed to or that it ate or the the bigger part of it I think is probably that dog needs some help building up a more robust immune system so if you just default well let's just do the metronidazole diarrhea goes goes away everybody goes back to their happy lives two months later bloody stool again I've seen this so many times let's do metronidazole then after three or four times that it doesn't work well yeah because you just keep hammering the gut and you're not doing anything to support the gut health so I think if if you know you focus like okay and then the other dogs are fine so this individual needs a little more support so let's support the gut there's wonderful healing herbs so there's like the two aspects like the worms or the herbs that would help kill the microorganisms but then slippery elm and calendula and chamomile and burdock and plantain these are really great healing herbs that you know, help the gut heal and help this inflammation in the gut heal. And yeah, it might take a little while, but you know, you just watch how the dog's doing. And if they're staying, hydration is key. Dog could go a week without eating. It's not ideal, but they could, they could not go a week without drinking. They can't go more than a day, especially in warm weather with, without drinking. So hydration is super important. So the question would be, if we have a dog that isn't eating and this dog will eat. Right. And I get it. Uh, there's this kind of confusion about, all right, my dog's got this explosive or, you know, putting like poop. Um, so we need to fast him to get the inflammation, maybe to calm down or get things to calm down, but we need to give them herbs and we need to keep them hydrated. So what's the best way to do that in that sort of combination? You bone broth. I mean, bone broth, you could, um, you know, even put put some herbs or something in the bone broth. The dog likes the bone broth, might lap it up. Or, you know, you could just suspend them through the syringe, suspend them in warm water or broth or something, put the herbs in there and then just shoot them 
into the mouth if you're not putting things right in the food or getting herbal tinctures. This is where tinctures work well because they're liquid and you can go down to any local store, um, like supplement store and probably get a slippery elm tincture or, um, you know, um, or, or herbal combination that has similar type herbs and, and do something like that. So then you can just kind of shoot that, um, liquid right into their mouth. Okay. So just to kind of, um, close up this section. Let me ask you this question, because this is, I think, where pet parents need to make this decision. You take that fecal in, you get a fecal. And what if it did come back and it said, yep, you've got an overload of coccidia for, and, and first of all, what's an overload, uh, right? Or, or would you say, would, would they know that? Is that what they would say? There's, there's uh the, the bacteria they, they would give you a, a, a count. Usually it's something like how many organisms are they seeing per mic- microscopic field? Like, so you look at one field on the microscope and the, and like certain ma- magnification and how many, and that's kind of a gauge of, of how many are there. So you come back with the fecal and they say, yeah, you've got either the giardia or the coccidia or whatever. Um, at that point, do do you make the decision that we have to have an antibiotic to knock that out? Or is that something that the herbs can also address? Yeah. Or I mean, is the herbs, there? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the herbs can address it. It does just take longer. So then I make that judgment call based on how sick is the dog. It's like, say a dog is, I've seen some dogs like test positive for GRD or for coccidia. I mean, I have seen some puppies get um, get coccidia and puppies are more susceptible. They've not been out in the world. They don't have as strong of an immune system. So they oftentimes get sicker where these microorganisms might be in the environment and the adult dogs are immune to them, but then the puppies are susceptible. So if a young puppy's sick, like say it doesn't eat and vomiting or something, and we find coccidia, absolutely we treat it. And there's a different, there's a, there's some very specific antibiotics. So that's the other thing is know what we're treating and be very, very targeted. There's this, there's um, the sulfa drugs, Albon's a common kind of trade name, um, but the sulfa drugs are usually effective against, um, against coccidia. And there's actually, um, I, I started buying, cause I've worked with some breeders that will just sometimes they'll get coccidia in a litter and they're like, we just need to get these puppies, you know, cleaned up before they go to their new homes. So anyway, there's a, there's one that that's added to chicken feed, um, sometimes just routinely. There's a lot of, like when you buy chicken feed, a lot of it's pre-medicated for these, um, call them coccidia stats because they kill the coccidia because it's just so common. Um, I'm not doing any of that. I'm not, I'm just going to let them build their own natural immunity. Um, but anyway, you can get like those medications and then you could treat and it probably, but know what you're treating, you know, don't just give metronidazole because the dog has diarrhea. Metronidazole can help with uh, giardia, but it's also going to mess up the microbiome. So make sure you know what you're treating this knee jerk at the vet. You know, people do the knee jerk, take their dog in because it's got diarrhea and the best response is to metronidazole. But what if it's coccidia? That may not work. You know, what if it's uh, roundworms, you know, parasites, some other something else. So, but then at least, you know, what you're treating and you can be very, very targeted and you know that you're giving them, you know, exactly, uh, exactly what they need. You know, another, um, 
um, comment on the I, I, one one client I started working with last week just got a puppy from Florida and the puppy has is shedding tapeworms and her other dog has tapeworms and they've been through several courses of the typical pharmaceutical and they can't get rid of them and hmm. I think their resistance this is just another reason why things could sometimes be hard to clear up. I think giving these someplace like Florida where lots of people do these monthly flea and tick and mm. heartworm preventatives that have, then they have, a lot of them have intestinal dewormers in them. So what happens if you're giving doses of all these drugs every month, no matter what, well, those parasites are going to build resistance to it. They're going to get, they're going to get tougher and tougher and tougher to treat because they're just getting this low. I mean, that's like the best way to build resistance is you just do this low dose every single month. So they got this, they're constantly exposed to it and then they just get tougher and tougher and they get really, really hard to treat. So for those pet parents that have a hard time letting go of these monthly preventatives, that's just something, you know, else for you to think about. You can visibly see the tapeworms in the poop, correct? Yeah, they're, these are the ones that are spread in little egg packets. So they're a little different, like round worms, like you kind of see the whole worm. It's like you can see pieces of spaghetti in the poop. Um, tapeworms, are the eggs are shed in little packets. So you see, it looks like little pieces of rice around the, the dog's bum. And that's what you'll typically see. Around their bum. Yeah. Around their sphincter. Around their sphincter. Yep. They, they, they'll just stick there, but there's like these, I mean, you might see some in the poop too, but they will kind of stick there and then, and then those fall off and then um, either rodents, one of the reasons like cats tend to get tapeworm a lot is because there's an intermediate host. So like a mouse would come along, eat those little egg packets, then the worms develop in there. And then if a cat comes and kills that mouse, then it'll get, it'll get exposed to it. But that's, yeah, that's what they look like what makes them unique. And they're a lot tougher to eliminate sometimes than just your standard uh, roundworms. So we should be checking our dog's bums. Check your dog's bum. So if, look at the sphincter every day. Right? How's your sphincter today? So if a dog's scooting his butt on the ground, could it be that he has a little wormy, something or other going on? You know, usually that's not the cause. I know that, that a lot of people think that, that when they scoot, they got worms. I, I would say that would be really unusual because um, the worms like pass and then they're done. It's usually butt scooting is either anal glands or sometimes like skin sensitivities. You know, we see a lot of itchy dogs and some dogs like their coat, everything's pretty good. They're not itchy all over, but they got itchy bum. I, I don't know why some dogs just get, just get itchy sphincters for some reason, but well, but, and, you um, know, but you, sometimes they do. Yeah. And and you got to wonder when they're going to the groomer, a lot of groomers will, you know, kind of shave that area. And when that yeah. hair grows back, that's itchy. It's itchy. Right. If yeah. you shaved your bum inside and then it grew back, just that's TMI. But if you did that, it would <laughs> be itchy. I don't know. Be, I don't know. I would think, I would think so. So, you know, Dr. Jason, we were talking about this disconnect that we have a lot of, we have a lot of disconnect going on in our pet parents. For instance, if you have a dog that has cancer, right? You're fighting cancer. You're dealing with cancer. I don't know if we're fighting cancer. We're trying to, you know, support whatever you want to call it, but we have cancer in a dog and then you get a puppy and then you take the puppy and you get them a nine way vaccination. Is there no correlation in a pet parent's mind that says, 
These things that have not been tested for safety, come on guys, in a nine way, why 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 do we have this like air bubble as 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 you call it? There's a there's a there's a blank up there that says I'm going to inject something nine ways, <laughs> nine different. Yeah. I don't even know what a nine way is. I, I didn't even know there was a nine way vaccine. I haven't looked it up for what's in it, but everything under the sun, I'm sure. So I'm not, I'm not, I, and again, I, when I talk to pet parents, you will have pet parents that will be doing everything they possibly can. They're doing the raw diet. They're buying all these different types of supplements. They're doing, they try to keep the dog as clean as possible. And then they're doing a, a something like trifexis, right? They're doing these toxins. And, and I'm not sure that they're making these correlations that toxins, although you could say, I don't want my dog to get worms. Well, does your dog have worms? Don't treat them until they have worms. Right. Right. Because they have a natural, I think the thing that our, our culture has programmed people away from is the idea that they are pets and us, we have a way of staying healthy. You know, we, we have an, an immune system. We have these systems in our body that will eliminate things and take care of things if we keep the foundation healthy. But if you keep poisoning the body with vaccines and even these other preventatives, we're so fear-based that, oh my gosh, we just got to kill all the little boogeymen out there that are trying to affect my pet. And you just got to keep throwing things at them. How about if we start to build up the healthy foundation and let the body heal itself? But that's just not the way people are conditioned. That's like, you know, in our um, cancer webinar coming up, the first section is about mindset and how you think about it because people contact me. I want to know if I want to do the mistletoe and I'm going to do the ozone and I want to do this stuff. I'm like, no, you need to stop and look at, are you poisoning your pet? Are you still vaccinating? Are you doing these preventive? Well, I have to, because I live where there's fleas. No, there's no have tos. You're making a choice and you could be doing more uh, natural preventatives. I, I mean, I hear a lot of people say, well, I, I, I have to, I live where there's fleas. I have to do it. Well, there's DC fleas on your dog. Like what? No, do you have a problem with them? Like, well, no, we never really seen them. Just, we live here. So we're, we're told we're, we're supposed to do it. We're just doing what we're told, but you're, but you're poisoning the pet. And so it doesn't matter what the diet is or how many, you know, healthy supplements, you're doing, if you're poisoning it at the same time, it's not going to turn out ideally. That's not the way to build a healthy, you can't, it's like putting your foot on the brake and the accelerator at the same time. You can't create a healthy foundation, healthy terrain while you're poisoning them. It's just, it's, it's contradictory, but it's, it's not a, not a common way of thinking, unfortunately. So are you saying, Dr. Jasek, that if us as humans, if we poison ourselves just a little bit every week, just a little bit, we can't outrun it by, you know, uh, doing herbs and, and eating a better diet. I mean, that poison's going to catch up at some point and it's killing our good soldiers. If we don't have any good soldiers anymore, what? Do, I mean, how do you defend yourself? Think of it like that, folks. Right. How do you do it? Right. I, I just, I I don't know. I don't know. And, and we just do whatever we can. We try to help pet parents. But I think that, 
I wish I could come up with a a really simplified way to help people make that choice. Um, whether I'm going to poison my dog, whether I'm going to do these antibiotics that eventually don't work. Um, it's that fear, that fear gets in there. So if we could just say, all right, look, if your dog, and again, everybody's got these different levels of, oh, my dog's so uncomfortable. Is he really? I mean, you picked up Max, your your German Shepherd, and he was his stomach was super bloated. I mean, it's not like you were like, oh my gosh. To the, to the point he was like waddling, you know, like how puppies were kind of rolling, pulling anyway. I mean, he was bloated tight. Yeah. Yeah. And he just had to poop it out and get all that clostridium out or uh, colostrum out. Yeah. And, and you said that it comes out, you know, and it's a different color, which is another thing that pet parents really get worried about. But but sometimes we just have to wait. And I think that that waiting period is the time frame that people say, oh my gosh, if I don't do something, then I'm going to be the cause of damage to my dog. I'm going to be the cause of death to my dog. I'm going to, I'm going to be the cause. And so that's what we're always trying to avoid, right? We're always trying right. to avoid that. Right. Right. And right. that's a, that's a hard one. Guilt, guilt, guilt. I think fear and guilt are probably the most powerful motivators because people like, and, you know, and, and I think people like, they don't want to take the responsibility. Kind of like we just saying, they don't want to take the responsibility for just, you know, giving their pet's body a chance to work through things. Like with Max, I also thought, well, maybe this is just a big detox. Maybe he did have some crud in there and that colostrum came in and it's got all these nutrients. It just, you know, blew it all out. Like, I don't know, but he was eating and drinking and acting fine. So I, I would just give it a couple of days and this little started to, you know, um, started to, to firm up, but I think people feel guilty there and they're, they're not sure. That's why I'm so big on education. I want people to learn how to manage these things. I tell people, keep some slippery elm, keep some marshmallow root at home. Your dog vomits on a Saturday night, give us some marshmallow root or has diarrhea, do some slippery, you know, have some things at home that you can do. So you're not doing nothing, but you're also not doing the knee jerk because then people go in, they feel guilty, they're concerned. They go into the medical professional, right? That says, well, you need to do these antibiotics and they're not sure. So like, well, I believe him or her, because they got the white coat on. So I'm just going to do what they say. And it, and then I think it feels like they're off the hook. You know, they asked someone they consider a professional, like normally I wouldn't do these antibiotics, but the vet said it was a good idea. So I'm going to do that. I think pet parents really need to take more accountability for their pet's care. And if you want to treat your pet holistically, it might be sweating some things out and, and sticking things out and having some, having some patience while your pet heals. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, we, I, I don't know how we, how we know how much pain our pets in or how uncomfortable they are. Right. And so we sometimes think they're in a lot more pain than they are, uh, or we don't know if they're in a lot of pain. I mean, it's that unknowing, but I mm -hmm. think uh, the more history that we have with not doing knee jerk, right. Not then we will get more confident. Then we will get more confident, right? And things might happen, guys. Things might, I mean, people die, dogs die, cats die, uh, accidents happen, who knows? But on the whole, 
we know um, that the pharmaceuticals, again, are a Band-Aid, and at, and at worst, they're killing off our good soldiers so that we cannot heal properly. So, and that's that's one of the things that we really want to encourage you guys to come over and join our cancer webinar, Dr. Jasek's cancer webinar. It's coming up this Thursday night. That's going to be August 17th, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, 7 p.m. Central Time. And the rest of you have to figure out your time zone because I can't. <laughs> I don't there's know what app, it is. There's apps for that. <laughs> I'm like, what web, is new websites for that? And stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. And be a part of this because your questions that you might ask at the end might very well end up in part two and part mm-hmm. three, right? So you can help us um, help you and uh, ask the questions and then we'll put those in part two and part three. You want to get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com. Um, I'm going to do a pop-up um, on the website for the next couple of days. But if you go, go over to the website, just put in the search cancer webinar and you'll see uh, it's a green and and um, black flyer there with Dr. Jasek and, and, and a puppy there or a dog. And, and just click on that. It's $39.95 for this. Listen, if you go over and do a consult with Dr. Jasek, um, this is a bargain, right? Because Dr. Jasek is a professional. She is a cancer vet. She's not free. You don't work for free, do you? I don't work for free. I can't you kind of do. I can't buy dog food if I don't. If I work, for that's free. right. <laughs> well, we we give out a lot of free information here on the podcast. But yeah, when you're working with a cancer patient, I mean, you've got to review labs. You've got to review all types of history. There's a lot of questions that have to be asked. There's a lot of questions that are being asked by the pet parent. It takes a lot of time. So yeah, my, my point is this, this cancer webinar is a bargain. It is a bargain. $39.95. Come over, join that on Thursday. Um, it will be in the courses that you can purchase later on, and it probably won't be this cheap. So anyway, Get over Thursday night and join us. All right, Dr. JC. Be there or be square. Be square, right. Or be there or be scared. Yeah, it'd be right. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. You're going to learn a lot of stuff and hopefully be, you know, get some, get some good questions. And like you said, you know, um, we, we want to provide information that's useful to pet parents. I put out there what I think is useful, but, you know, you guys are running into things. This is the time to show up and ask your questions and then we can you know um put put those uh, questions incorporate them into future webinars yeah this webinar is going to cover the mindset okay what is cancer um what are the alternative treatments to cancer what's the traditional treatment what works what doesn't um so this is going to be a very very informative uh, webinar and we just see so much cancer popping up all over the place not just Very humans sad. i mean for pete's sakes we're seeing that all over the place but you gotta ask the question guys what is the common denominator between all of these young dogs suddenly getting cancers what's happening and right. do you do you want to have that mindset uh because you are going to come up against no doubt about it you're going to come up against pushback from the traditional uh, pet professionals. You are, and you need to be ready in case you're faced with this situation. Not only that, but how do you avoid it going forward? What's the best way 
to protect your best friend. Yeah. And you might need to step outside your comfort zone, push back a little bit, say, no, stand your ground, say, no, this is the the way I, I believe in, in, in treating. And, you know, this is, you know, the way I'm going to do it. And will you support me in that? And if not, well, I'll, I'll go someplace else. I mean, you have to be that firm. Don't just say, well, you know, say I had to, or this was more convenient. I just didn't have time to drive across town to go to another vet. Do you want to keep your pet healthy? You don't. And it's, it's not going away and it's going to get worse. I'm, I'm quite certain just the reactions I'm hearing from other vets that like, you know, I, I, um, I work with a client and other veterinarians, they have, um, can be very critical of the work we're doing and just very inflammatory. And they, they don't want to learn something new. They don't, they don't want to hear about it. It's just laziness, in my opinion, that, that a medical professional will not even open their mind to learn something new, explore it, even ask a couple of questions, but you are going to keep running into it. And it's going to, it's going to keep getting worse. And if you want your pet to be healthy, and this is what you believe in, um, you have to stand your ground. You know, the, um, the gentleman I got Max from, he was telling me, so he doesn't vaccinate any of his animals on his farm. None of them, none of production animals, none of them. And um, he said, people would actually come to look at the puppies and read them the riot act for not vaccinating them. And he's like, dude, you take the dog, do what you want. This is my place. And you don't like it. Then, you know, like go get your puppies. Like they just really get on. And he's like, it's my place, my dogs, you know, I'm going to do what I want, but people are, would be so like critical of that because that's the popular narrative. Oh yeah. I've been cussed out, totally cussed out. Um, which is why on, on Facebook, you know, which is why I don't get on there. Right. I don't get on there. Other people in my, uh, in my company post for me because I, I just cannot, uh, deal with that kind of aggression. Right. Where I'm cussed out because I am sharing information that they don't agree with. Right. Right. How dare you talk to people? Have you never seen a dog with parvo? And I've seen all these and blah, blah, blah. Well, they're they're working in rescues, number one. Right. So we got a lot of Mm -hmm. sick dogs in the rescue world. But um, I, 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 it, it so reminds me of what we went through in the last three years, Dr. Jasek, where all of the people that were trying to question and warn, right? Hey, do you really want to put this in your body when there is no body of evidence that shows that it's safe or effective? Do do you really um, want to work with this doctor who is pushing getting something or, or putting something in the body because they're incentivized monetarily? Right. And-, and we- these products are made from companies that have complete immunity. A vaccine company cannot be sued. So it's experimental from a company with complete immunity that you cannot go back on them. If anything happens, like, gee, what could go wrong there? Right. And now they're now, now, you know, the aftermath of what is happening is, is horrific. And we are seeing that the FDA, the ruling came down. The FDA never had the authority to, tell a doctor that they couldn't prescribe ivermectin or right. or hydroxychloroquine right they they never had that but here's what happens you scare people and they all you know you've seen those commercials every sheep is running 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 and they go right over the edge and that's why we say stop 
hang on, let's question. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's like, it's, it's another one of those big, like knee jerks. Like I've never in all of my years of practice, would I use a brand new drug or, I mean, I recommended vaccines in a lot of years, but anything new on the market, I'd never use it on my patients. So I've been out for a couple of years. So at least like they, they built up this fear, like for people in the COVID, they built up this fear that people and people just couldn't wait to go back because they wanted to get their lives back and they wanted to travel again. Okay, now you put your life in danger getting these jabs. And guess what? You could have traveled again now, you know, like it all went away. I'm like, I don't care if I never get on an airplane again. I'm not taking that thing or go to right. a show or concert or whatever. I'll give all that up. I'm not, I'm not putting my life on the line. And now like you can do all that stuff again. I mean, might lock us down again for some reason or another, but you can do all that stuff again. So all you have to do is wait. But like you're saying, patience is hard. I know, I know that too, but you know, these years have gone by pretty fast and people that ran out and got the shot because I just have to be able to travel and I just have to be able to go out to my favorite restaurant. And now you could have done all that and not put your life on the line. And well, you know, they actually came out with a thing now about the, saying that ivermectin is okay. It was on, it's on some of the um, in new shows. I think probably more with the, oh, I actually think I heard it might've come out in USA Today or something. It was fairly mainstream, but now they're saying, yeah, ivermectin is not okay to use. It's not just horse paste. Could have saved hundreds of thousands of lives if they had right? allowed that information. All that information was censored and it, it could have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. Now, maybe they just figure that people got the jab. They're going to probably go down anyway, sadly. Well, right. Or these adverse effects. Let's say that you've got, uh, you know, muscle twitching, right? You can't walk. Or you've got uh, pericarditis or micro, uh, myocarditis or whatever. I mean, that that's not going away, no. right? That's not going away. And um, I just, I, I don't understand why we are not saying that is just criminal. Who, I mean, how, how is that not criminal that you have misled people for whatever reason, whether it was political, whether it was monetary, um, you have disrupted someone's life because you lied yeah. you, you, you might even kill people because you lied and and i often think about this in the dog world i i'm just like whether it is the crappy kibble that they know is causing problems. They have to know it's causing problems. They know what's in it. We have such a body of evidence of how many dogs that come over and there's an epidemic of itching. There's an epidemic of, of sloppy poops coming out the back end. There's an epidemic of tumors everywhere, right? Um, or lumps or bumps. Somebody's trying to take the trash out. That's not normal, folks. It's not normal. I, and I think we do reach a lot of people, um, but there, again, there's a blind spot there. And I think it's just the way that we think. And there's a big difference, guys, between I believe in vaccines and I have a knowledge about what's in them, the adverse effects, and how the body gets rid of things, right? You don't just give a vaccine and then throw a rebalancer and hope that you take away 
the adverse effects. Yeah, it can't always. I I firmly believe at this point what I've seen that it can't always be reversed. I see some pets, and 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 sometimes pet parents will even recognize that, like, yeah, you know, all these problems, you know, um, just didn't happen till after that last round of vaccines, and now you know whatever it is, it's is the itchy skin or the loose poops or whatever it is can affect anywhere in the body, and it can be really subtle. So people, you know, dogs have really touchy digestion and they blame, uh, so they blame uh, um, some symptoms, you know, some loose poops or maybe some vomiting on the raw food, but maybe the whole underlying cause was all the vaccines that dog had that the gut's so inflamed and they've been on these poor diets, the digestion's just so messed up that it just needs help learning to digest it, digest what it's meant to eat. I mean, it's, 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 it's a natural food. It, there's just no way it cannot be good for the dog. And the dog can't handle what its species was meant to eat. Then we know that we've got a really messed up digestive tract and we need to work on that. And that takes, yes, patience. Yeah. I think I'm going to start putting a disclaimer out there that says, look, if, if your dog cannot eat raw, there's an issue with your dog. The problem is that people say, well, they were great on Frosted Flakes. Were they? <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. It, until they get cancer or diabetes. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, we we do appreciate all of you guys listening to the Raw Dog Food Truth. We hope that you will tell all your friends uh, that have dogs that have problems to come over and listen. We probably have, Dr. Jacek, close to 400 episodes out there. We have tons of episodes um, Dr. Jasek's website is ahavet.com. You also have a wonderful multimedia section where you have uh, videos and you have all of our podcasts. You have lots of information there. You can work with Dr. Jasek anywhere you are in the world at ahavet.com, ahavet.com. Please come over, join us on the cancer webinar. That's going to be this Thursday, August 17th, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, 7 p.m. Central Time. Get your dog on a species-appropriate diet. Nutrition is key. We will help you at rawdogfoodandcompany.com where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. I'll see you Thursday, Dr. JC. All right, see you then. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.